Hello? I say, is anyone in here? Welcome to the house of IDP. IDP? Crikey! What the blazes is that? In the house of IDP, we follow all players on both sides of the ball. On the Read and React podcast, we tackle everything you need to know to build a championship defense for your fantasy team. That sounds terrifying. Don't you need to spend hundreds of hours learning all about defensive players? IDP is an ancient evil, but also the future. Listen to the Read and React, and we will arm you with all the arcane knowledge you need to defeat your enemies. Wowzers! You mean you distill a huge amount of information about the hundreds of players in the NFL so that your listeners can dominate their leagues? What will that cost me? The podcast is free, but once IDP sinks its flaming hooks into you, it will steal your soul! You're listening to the Dynasty League Football Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. You are listening to episode 303. I am your host, Matt Price. With me, as always, Dan Myler and Ryan McDowell. Dan, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing great. Excited for another great guest. Three weeks in a row with great guests talking draft. It's another great episode coming at you. Yep, Ryan, three days away, basically, for the NFL draft. Uh, what are you going to do to celebrate? You taking the day off? I'm taking Friday off, um, so I'll, just to recover, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited, of course. I know everybody's excited. Uh, I don't know about a great guest. We've got, we've got a pretty good guest. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and bring him on. This week, for the third week in a row, we have a, a rookie expert on for you guys. We, this week, we have Elliot Chris. You can find his work at Elliot Chris, newly hired at 444.com, one of our favorite spots, uh, friend sites here at DLF as well. Elliot, how's it going, man? It's going well. I uh, I like how I started off as a great, and we're already down to pretty good. And you know, at the end, I'm pretty sure you guys are just going to admit that I'm only here because you want to see me wear a headband. <laughs> yeah, at the end, we'll have, we'll put out a, a graph showing uh, <laughs> how you did throughout the episode. If see you know ranking from good to great or excellent, you know, so we'll see how it ends up. Um, let's see. Before we uh, get into the rookie stuff that we've been doing every week, let's uh, throw out some 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 dr- some bold uh, draft predictions. Anybody got one for us, Ryan? How about you? Yeah, I don't know how bold it is. I mean, just I'm just really I'm excited to see. I, I think the combination of uh, the increased trade activity across the league and the quality of quarterbacks available this year, the number of teams that need quarterback, whether it's uh, an immediate need or if it's the the Giants, Chargers, Patriots, Saints situation where they're they'll need one a year from now or or maybe even two years from now. I just feel like we're going to see a huge amount of trades. And as far as the quarterback specifically, I I mentioned this today on Twitter. I think all five are gone in the top 12. I don't know if Elliot agrees with that, but, and like I said, that may not even be a bold prediction that almost seems obvious to me at this point, but we'll, we'll see what happens. All five. So you think Lamar Jackson's going in the top 12 too? Yep. All right. Elliot, what do you think about that? I agree. I think there's a good shot for quarterbacks to go first four overall. I mean, teams don't mess around with this anymore. I mean, last year I said that three quarterbacks would go top 12 and people lost their minds on me saying none of those teams needed them. But, you know, teams are going to trade up. Teams are going to get aggressive. And I, for some reason, I can't shake this feeling that the Saints come up and get Lamar Jackson. That's Maybe that's a bold prediction. You know, for uh, I'm going to say Darnold goes one, Rosen goes two. The Giants stay put and take a quarterback, and after all this nonsense talk and people wanting to fire Dave Gettleman, and you know Frank will be able to sleep easy at night, and then <laughs> um, the the Jets will take Baker at three, and then I think the the Bills will come up and take Josh Allen at four, and then you know once that happens and four quarterbacks go f- uh, top four, the draft is going to be insane in general because teams are going to want to trade for all these defensive players and studs falling down and. So I, I really think that you're gonna you're gonna have chaos and people have really been enjoying their mock drafts. I've done a couple. They're they're fun to do, but I think <laughs> by pick 
five or six, you're just going to throw it out the window and be like, this is, this is utter insanity. I, I would love that scenario. If the top, top four, I'll go quarterbacks. My guy, Lamar Jackson has kind of been the, the stepchild through this whole process. You know, big draft wants to talk about the top four quarterbacks and, and he's left out of that conversation. And then you hear recent reports, like we've seen these, these past couple of days that Jackson might go in the first round and, and things like that. And these are things that I think a lot of us have been assuming are going to happen for weeks or, or even months. So if the top four go quarterbacks, Jackson becomes the, you know, the prettiest girl at the dance. And I think lots of teams would be pushing to trade up and, and take him. It's funny that we even say that because Lamar Jackson is a top four quarterback if we look at actual ability. But, you know, we're we're doing this yet again where the, the guy's big, big and white and bad at football and we're going to overdraft him. We do this every year in the NFL draft with Josh Allen, Paxton Lynch, Christian Hackenberg. You name them every year. There's one guy. And uh, it's it's amazing how teams don't learn. Dan, uh, if if Cleveland trains out of four, that means that that uh, Barkley could fall to five at to, to, to Denver. What do you think about that, uh, or, or any other bold calls you might have for the first day of the draft? Yeah, I'm, I'm like you guys. I I look at all these mock drafts and I've put put them together myself as well. And I think Elliot's right. We're all going to throw those away after a couple of picks because it's going to get crazy. I was I was going to talk about quarterbacks as my bold prediction, but it's not real bold if everybody sitting in here is is talking about. So I guess I'll pivot a little bit. And I think the position that hasn't gotten nearly enough uh, publicity or attention is wide receiver. And I, I think there could be. I know everybody talks about the defense, the the defensive playmakers that are available in the top ten. Uh, and expected to go in the top 10. I think there's a wide receiver that's probably going to creep up these boards too. And, and my guy's always been Ridley. I don't know if that's going to be the guy that goes first or anything like that. Many of these mocks, you start seeing uh, wide receivers right around Dallas when they're on the clock. And I think that's too late. We're going to see receivers go before then. I like that call a lot. I think three receivers go top 24. So. I think so as well. Because, I mean, you, you look at it year after year, these teams are, are drafting receivers. And I know the last couple haven't hit necessarily right away. I mean, receivers tend to take a little bit longer. But this is a passing league, and you you want weapons, right? And, you know, I, I think DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, and Calvin Ridley are all going to go top 24. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, let's get to a little bit of news that happened bef- uh, between recordings here. Uh, I was talking on Bruce Matson's podcast last night, The Perfect Cast. Uh, we were talking about the Ravens receiver core and how they have completely put that put that uh, receiver core back together this year. They signed uh, Michael Crabtree, John Brown, and then just recently Willie Sneed. And I actually kind of like that. I, I think that is not the worst receiver core in the league now. I kind of think Brashard Perriman, I guess, is finally done at this point. We were talking last week about how Willie Sneed was pretty much done for his dynasty value. Uh, but now I kind of like it with those two guys on the outside and Sneed on the slot where he had so much success in New Orleans, Ryan. What do you think about this uh, spot for Willie Sneed and this Ravens receiver core in general? Yeah, I'm actually pretty excited about it as well um, because I am a, a Sneed fan. And yeah, just a week ago, we were ready to give up on the guy. And uh, really just this opportunity. I mean, the Ravens, we've talked about it throughout the whole offseason. That's not necessarily the spot where you want your free agent wide receiver to end up, but they are going to pass it a ton. And Sneed, with that group, I, I don't I think we can lock in Crabtree as their wide receiver one, but Snead should should certainly see uh, plenty of opportunity there. So it's it's a big boost to his value, which as of a couple of days ago was was almost zero. Yeah, I think the key to this is going to be John Brown's health. If he can kick that sickle cell thing, those leg issues he was having, you know, um, I think that's going to be the key to that offense really opening up. Dan, what do you think about what the Ravens have done here at this position? It's hard for me to believe that that offense is going to be opened up. And I, I know you mentioned the names and, and any dynasty owners ears will perk up when they hear Crabtree and Bur- the speed of Brown and now Sneed being there. But just because Joe Flacco is the guy that's delivering the football, I, I just shake my head to it regularly. A uh, guy that averages six yards per attempt and doesn't push the ball down the field and his accuracy has been questioned uh, time and time again. Uh, I, I, I'm, I still have pause and I still have hesitation. There's still the potential that they'll add yet another wide receiver in the draft. I think that's probably likely at this point. And then we get muddled waters and who's going to be the guy. And yes, Crabtree's that number one guy. Nobody's likely to take that away from him, but 
I, I still have a lot of hesitation when it comes to investing heavily in any Ravens receiver when it's when it's that quarterback associated with them and trying to get him the ball. Elliot, any thoughts here on the Ravens? I mean, yeah, I think it's kind of a combination of what everybody said. We went from Steve to have no value, so obviously th- this helps them. Joe Flacco is not a great quarterback, no matter how much money they in- insist on paying him. And, you know, one of the things Flacco struggles with some is, uh, his accuracy so he throws a lot of contested catches and that's really good for Michael Crabtree but might not be the best for Willie Sneed but you know he's going in and should see volume so he, he's we've seen him be a very successful receiver in this league before he had a, about as bad of a year as you can have last year between the off-field stuff and never being able to get a chance to get back on the field but if, if I have Sneed I'm very happy if I can sell him and get any type of value I might do that and if I can still buy him for free, but like I'm not, I'm not running out there and trying to get as many Willie Sneed shares as I can. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure exactly what it would take to buy him. I'm guessing a third's not going to get it done at this point. Uh, a second probably does, and at that point, I might as might might be holding for like a late second round pick there. Um, but let's jump into some rookies here, Elliot. This is the question I've asked our guests the last couple of weeks. Other than Saquon Barkley, are there any players that stick out you to you particularly that uh, are landing spot independent? Like they could just go anywhere and they're going to be successful. Baker Mayfield? No. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm not going to ban you from talking Mayfield. You want to talk Baker, go for it, man. No, I just think it's really tough, right? Because Barkley is going to go top seven, top eight. I don't even know why I'm including the Bears. Top seven. And that comes with volume automatically, right? Like Fournette had 24 targets and touches a game last year. McCaffrey led the, the league in targets when he went top eight uh, from running back position. Zeke had 23 targets and touches a game. Gurley had 19 targets and touches a game, but you're adding in the fact that he was coming back from an ACL injury. Like When these teams spend top 10 picks on running backs, it's it's all in all the time. So Barkley is landing spot independent. Now, I would like to see him avoid the Browns because if he goes to the Giants, Broncos, Colts, or uh, Buccaneers, there's not really any competition. He's just going to be fed all day long. I don't see that with some of these other guys like guys is a guy i'm a fan of but he could easily people mention philadelphia people mention pittsburgh people mention washington detroit detroit and washington has the pass catcher back and chris thompson theoretic that they feel very comfortable with those guys in those roles and you know pittsburgh he, he would have no year one value serious uh long-term upside and philadelphia is probably the same with you know he'd be splitting touches with jay Ajahi and there's Corey clement catching passes so I, I feel like a lot of these guys are landing spot dependent. Yeah, definitely. I think we've seen that more and more over the years, that landing spot determines, you know, more more than we really want to admit in fantasy value. I was always a guy that 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 kind of stuck to talent. The talent always rises to the top, you know, but especially last year we have seen landing spot really determine the future of these guys. Let's jump into the rookies, guys. Uh, Ryan, you want to throw out your first guy for Elliot to break down? Yeah, so I, um, all three of my guys that I want to ask you about tonight are basically players that I feel like I've kind of flip-flopped on throughout this entire process. So we're, we're getting down to it. Uh, it's, it's almost draft time, and I need to make a call on these players. I want your help, Elliot. Let's start with Traycon Smith, the receiver. Yeah, so, you know, decent size at six foot one, two oh three. Solid 40 time, 449. You know, he's he's got what 41 career catches of 20 plus yards, natural natural tracking skills. Like there's a there's there's a lot that he does down the field. Uh, he doesn't necessarily have the top end speed, but he's got good speed. I think that you know he's a guy that you see people all over the place on, right? Like I've seen guys have as high of uh, gr- a grade on him as round two, and I've seen guys have a grade on him of round five. So uh, this is something we we're talking a little bit about pre-show, but he's a guy where the NFL is going to tell me a lot about his dynasty value, right? Like I'm, I'm assuming at this point, if you're if you haven't had your dynasty draft, you're going to have it after the NFL draft. But I, I feel like where he goes will take like it will really determine how much value I have in him because he reminds me a little bit of a guy like Kenny Galladay last year you know that big down the field threat and when Galladay went to the Lions in the third round I think he went a lot higher than people anticipated and he started gaining dynasty value uh, because of that so I I think I'm he's one of those guys I'm going to let the NFL make my decision for me yeah that's a that's an interesting take Elliot he's a guy that I've I've been back and forth on a little bit as well and had decided that I was going to let the NFL tell me what they think of him before crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's with my opinion on him another guy that 
probably fits the, that description for me is Mark Andrews, a guy I was excited about earlier. I know you said that you're a Mark Andrews fan. I've kind of come off of it a little bit and decided I like Mike Gusecki better. I like Dallas Goddard better. Also like Hayden Hurst a little bit better. Uh, what makes you so excited about Andrews and his upside on Sundays? So I do like Andrews is my tight end throw. I do like Goddard and Gusecki better. I'm, I'm not in the business of having interest in 25 year old tight ends. I'm just not. I mean, if Hayden Hurst goes to the Saints, then I'll then I'll look dumb and I'll have to adjust things. But tight ends tend to take two to three years to develop. So Hurst, I'm out on for that reason in general. I don't want to wait till my guy's 27, 28 years old. <clears throat> With Andrews, you know he's going to really struggle in the inline aspect of his game in terms of blocking. Reminds me a little bit of Evan Ingram in that way. But when you put him out in the slot and you just ask him to run routes, he's a good route runner. He's got some wiggle to his game. You know, he's got a really good catch radius. He makes a lot of plays with the ball in his hands too. He can he can kind of have run after the catch. And you know, I could see him kind of going late two, early three in this this league that we've seen start to value tight ends more. And depending on his landing spot, I, I think he could do a lot. Now, one scenario that I've thrown out a little bit is. The Jets at 71, if they take Baker at three, they don't really have any tight ends in front of them that are any good. I mean, they have Bucky Hodges and Clive Wofford and Jordan Leggett, but he would come in with that. He could probably play a lot out of the slot. He could have a lot of chemistry with Baker right away, and that could be a a situation where he really succeeds early on. I really – the thing that turns me off when I watch Mark Andrews is his speed. It seems like he can be covered by tight or by linebackers in college. And that worries me because linebackers are so much more athletic in, in the NFL. So what, what makes Andrews fast enough for him to check the box for you? I mean, what he, he ran like a four, six, seven, I want to say, and he's what, six foot five. That's pretty good size speed i mean he's not elite in that area but you know he is a good route runner he he gets in and out of his breaks pretty well he's got a little wiggle to his game you know i i i think that his route running ability combined with his average speed will will do enough maybe almost like a little jason witten-esque where you don't necessarily understand why he's always open but he gets open i feel like he's not going to be an athletic freak he doesn't have that huge upside but i think that he can be a real good player in the nfl he's also smart let me throw that out there too like one thing I really liked about him was he settled in zones very nicely. He had really good knowledge of stick, uh, the, the sticks and where the first downs were. So those are things that, you know, have people feel very – his quarterback feel very comfortable with targeting him and looking for him in big play situations. But, you know, to your point, the prospect he reminds me of is Jason Morrow. Now everyone's going to be like, well, so he sucks. I just want to point out that that's like a prospect comparison because he was basically a, a big slot receiver. So I, I think that, you know, he could easily flame out, but I think that a lot of the things that he does well is built for this today's NFL. And when you add route running, big catch radius, and ability after the catch, I, I think that's a player that's worth monitoring in the NFL. Elliot, I want to talk to you about Anthony Miller. Speaking of smart players, I think he's probably one of the smartest receivers in this class, the way he can uh, break down guys uh, with the with all the moves that he has. I think he's a quick twitch player, you know, the ability to play in the slot and, and can probably do some spot duty on the perimeter too. Um, why, <laughs> why would I draft uh, someone like, I don't know, DJ Moore or Calvin John, Calvin Ridley when I can uh, get Anthony Miller, you know, in, in the second or, or late, late second round? We're talking about dynasty wise right yeah sorry i always go back to the to the dynasty value here no no not a problem i just i was like for the yeah i just answer from an nfl perspective but with anthony miller i agree with you like and this this is where the wide receiver and dynasty aspect of it gets so tricky is because you know after that top tier of calvin ridley corlin sutton dj moore all these guys or you want to throw james washington in there as well you could but all these guys are so close you know what i mean so everyone's gonna have different perspectives on them and that's where again landing spots gonna come into play and he could go in the second round. He could go in the fourth round. You know, it, Anthony Miller comes in. He's an older prospect, but he's really uh, refined. And one of the things I always talk about is if the guy's going to be an older player, I want to make sure he's NFL ready right now. Um, because they're guys that come in older that still need to develop very, very rarely work out. So in terms of breakout age and all that other stuff. But um, Miller, like you mentioned, his feet are incredible, man. His route running is really good. His stick knowledge, his ability after the catch. I, I think sometimes he runs into traffic more than away from it at times, but he's also really good against press coverage. You can put him in the slot. He can make plays after the catch. He, he's 
not necessarily the best hands catcher. He'll let a lot of passes into his body. He has some, has some concentration drops. But, you know, he can get vertical out of the slot. And quite frankly, I would rather spend – if I had like 106 or 107, I would rather spend it on a running back and then take Miller in the second round than Ridley um, in the first and then take uh, a running back in the second just in terms of roster construction. Yeah, I agree. That's that was that was the kind of the crux of the question there. Like, why take one of those other guys in the, in the top six, seven players when you can get those running backs and then get him there in the second round? Ryan, you're up. Yeah, another another receiver that again I've kind of found, found myself changing my mind on, flip flopping on, just just really undecided on what I think he can be is Michael Gallup. I think Gallup is another one of these guys, and I know the reason you say you're flip flopping is because some of these guys are so close, right? Like they're so close. They're it's it's literally a personal preference. And with Gallup, I think you get a good route runner. I think you get a guy um, who has strong hands. I think he's got good hips, good feet. I think he can get pushed around some, uh, especially towards the sidelines. He he does not keep his distance from the sideline, and those can those back shoulder throws can really get taken away from him, which is something I don't like. Um, he sometimes needs to separate with his body more than he gets actual separation. You know, he played lower level competition. He's, um, I think he's a good, not great player. I, I think that he's, my guess is he goes in the third or fourth round. I know some, some people have him as their wide receiver one that I don't really see that. I think he's a nice wide receiver two that can make a lot of, play. I think he's really good with the ball in his hands. That's where I think he's best. I think he's, uh, got good hips, good feet, Struggles some against the press, can get pushed around. I, again, I, I think that some of these guys are so close, and I know I keep repeating that, but I, I just I think that Gallup's a guy that I'm probably going to let someone else take the chance on. I think that, that probably tells me all I need to know then. Dan, who are you looking at next? I'm, I'm looking at Deshaun Hamilton, Elliot. He's a, he's a really interesting guy. For me, I was so high on him early in his career at Penn State. I had a lot of chances to watch him, and it just seemed like he never really got much better after he broke out in that freshman year and had all those catches and, and piled up all those yards for Penn State. Um, seems like that that big-bodied slot guy that lacks the shiftiness to, to, to be your traditional slot receiver and the speed to play on the outside. I've He's moved, slowly moved down my rankings as a wide receiver. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on Hamilton. So I agree that he is a slot. I don't think he's going to – I think he really struggles when you see a defender get their hands on him early. So you want to manufacture that early separation for him, and so you put him right in the slot. And I think what with Hamilton – He's a really good route runner, you know, really good feet, good, good hips, you know, ability to create separation. He's also a willing guy over the middle, pretty, really good in contested catch situations, uh, strong hands. I think where he can strike, he's very inconsistent tracking the ball deep. You know, every once in a while he has reps where you're like, do that. And then other reps, you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, in terms of tracking the ball over his shoulder. But I, I think that basically he's, he's a slot guy. And there, there's a lot of guys like that in this class, but he's a guy that's going to get open. He can make contested catches. He can do some things down the field. Uh, he's a great blocker. We don't care about that in fantasy, but just in terms of those slot guys, NFL teams do value that in terms of getting their guys out on the edge and ability to make plays in space. But I think he's a really good NFL player. I think he's going to end up being a better NFL player than fantasy player, though. Hey there, this is Tom Kislingberry of the Read and React podcast. Have you ever wished that you could be an NFL general manager well, now you can, thanks to Reality Sports Online, a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel and features a revolutionary free agency auction room, which mimics NFL free agency, enabling fantasy owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. The platform can host up to 32 teams, and has tons of other cool features, in addition to free agency, like a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, 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 much more. Test your general manager skills for free at realitysportsonline.com in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code DLF10, that's DLF10, to record a 10% discount on your team or your league today. Fancy just got real 
at realitysportsonline.com. Elliot, let's talk about Jalen Samuels here. Is he a running back? Is he a tight end? Is he a quarterback? Is he a wide receiver? <laughs> I think he's going to get drafted as a running back probably, but where do you think he fits best there? Should it be at running back? I think he just fits best on the football field, quite honestly, because, yeah. you know, you, you mentioned it, and that's what today's NFL is, right? If you can create matchup issues, you, you can play him at running back, H-back, fullback, slot receiver, tight end. I mean, he's got probably the most developed route tree of any running back in the draft. I mean, he never had more than 100 carries in his career, but if you watch NC State games, they went to him on every single big play. Like, if they needed a yard at the goal line, okay, he's our wildcat quarterback. We're going to go in. We're going to run zone. And we're going to allow him to use his patience and power to get in. If, if we need uh, six yards, we're going to put him in the slot and we're going to design um, a quick slant for him or, you know, a, a hitch or something like that. And he's there he is. He's open and he catches the football. He's got a big catch radius. He's willing to go over the middle. He actually led the country the last two years in 20-plus yard plays. So he's just a, a, a football player. Now, I don't – his fantasy value really depends on where he goes. And I'm I, sorry that I continue to repeat that, but – as long as he goes to a creative offensive mind, I think he can do a lot. You know, the the role that I think he'd be really good in for fantasy is the Rex Burkhead role this past year with the Patriots where, you know, he got some goal line touches. They split him out in the slot. They they um, threw him a lot of passes, and they really moved him around the field. And if you do that with Jalen Samuel, I think you, you could have a really successful football player. He reminds me a lot of, uh, I can't remember the class, maybe like 2009, James Casey coming out, a guy that could just do pretty much anything on the football field. I, I have to wonder if a guy like Casey coming out now, he would have had a little bit better of a, a career based on what the NFL is doing on their offensive schemes and everything now. So I like that quite a bit. Are we talking about the tight end from Rice, right? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, drafted by the Texans. Nobody here cares, but back when uh, NCA was allowed to be made, I actually did a dynasty with – uh, Rice and I had James Casey win the Heisman because he was such a mismatch that I just threw him the ball every time. So James <laughs> Casey has a special place in my heart. Absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, Elliot, my last player is Mark Walton running back from Miami. Of course, the the injury in his final season there. And I think that's part of maybe part of what has me um, confused on him. And and I think that's probably affecting his evaluation in general. He, he missed uh, a good chunk of last last season, but he was – uh, I, I thought he was playing well before that. Yeah, the Toledo game was amazing for him. And if you look back at his 2016 film, there was a lot to like. And, you know, he had the ankle injury that ended the season. And then his combine was terrible. But he bounced back with a much better pro day, which matched a lot of his film. You know, I think he's a one-cut runner. He plays bigger than he is. He's a really tough guy. And You know, I, I've always talked about how much I care about uh, a running back's pass-catching ability. And he's he's certainly got that. He's in a really really good pass blockers well he reminds me of Giovanni Bernard because of the role you can put him in now he could handle a workhorse role for a couple games you know if hit the guy in front of him got injured but I think he's more of a 12 to 15 touch guy uh, use him on third downs so you I think you could even split him out wide if you really wanted to or in the slot break down linebackers get on the ball in space he's got good vision he doesn't necessarily have home run speed but he can make guys miss good contact balance I think there's a lot of things to like with Mark Walton. The last guy I want to get your thoughts on, Elliot, is Dante Pettis, the wide receiver from from Washington. Uh, he was one guy that I really wish could have could have gone to the combine and participated and, and seen what those numbers would have been. One major reason was because he's such a good punt returner, but doesn't appear to be super fast, which is relatively rare. I love it watching him as a pass catcher as well, how he immediately turns into that punt returner is so good after the catch. Pettis is one of the guys that have has moved up my board despite uh, not seeing a lot from him in this offseason because every time I turn him on, he he gets me excited about his his upside. What are your thoughts on Pettis? I'm with you. He's one of the guys I really want to see in the combine because I wrote down he's smoother than fast. You know what I mean? Fantastic hips, really good feet, developed route runner, um, really good at the line of scrimmage as well, like against press coverage, which is not something you see. Really good with his hands at the line of scrimmage, uh, creates good separation, tracks the football well down the field. I think uh, LJ Cheney was telling me that last year at Washington's pro day, when they allow like the underclassmen to participate, he ran in the four fours low four fours for his 40. Now, if he did that, that would be a trend, fantastic time because I don't necessarily see that player. But if 
because there was rumors that he might work out for some teams the week before uh, the draft and kind of give him a number. But you know, I don't. I haven't seen anything. But I, I'm with you in terms of the the questions of the speed. And my other major question for him is: I don't think he's a very strong player in terms of contested catch situations. He can shy away some from contact. Uh, looks a little uncomfortable if he feels like a guy's going to hit him. Doesn't want to fully extend. Kind of can turtle. So, but I think there's a lot to like with Pettis in, in terms of just a route runner who gets open, who can track the football. And like you said, once he gets the ball in his hands, he's very dangerous. I've seen him connected to the Packers in places. Uh, he, he was one of the players that was brought in by the Packers. And, and to see him land in Green Bay would instantly make that dynasty value go up uh, dramatically. So, guy I'm excited about as well. Yeah, I think the Packers are going to – they have 12 picks in this draft. I'm pretty sure they're locked into drafting at least one wide receiver. You know, and Pettis compliments Devontae Adam and, and Randall Cobb's games very well. There you go, Ryan. We, we have a Randall Cobb reference for you. But, um, you know, I, I think a vertical guy – the vertical guy that goes to Green Bay could just be a home run fantasy pick and a guy that really shoots up draft boards after the draft. I want it to be James Washington, but I might be being selfish there. Um, my last guy here, Elliot, on Johnson, someone that the draft community seems to love quite a bit. I haven't been able to get on board. I, I, he's so lanky. He's so high cut. And those guys really have to be special to, to really make an impact and, and really stay healthy. So convince me on, on on Johnson here and why I should consider him in the middle of the first round of my dynasty draft. Ooh. <laughs> I gotta convince. I gotta convince you to you consider him in the middle of the first round. Well, before the draft, I don't know if I can do that. But I will say, Daniel Jeremiah has given gave him a first round grade. I believe he sounds like the way Daniel Jeremiah talks, though, is that he sounds like he's got about fifty first round grades. But you know, <laughs> you, you've heard that Carry On Johnson could go high, and anytime you go high, you you couldn't come with uh, a lot of volume. The guy, the player I compare him to, doesn't play football. I, I compare him to Draymond Green because I think he's good at everything, but not great at anything. I think he's got good patience, good power. I think he's kind of a uh, – he plays chess against the defenders where one move sets up the next one. So if he beats you by making you miss in space, the next time he'll try to run over you and constantly have the defender playing mind games. But like you said, he's high cut. It led to the hamstring injury. It led to the uh, the ankle injury. He's – probably going to get banged up he runs high he looks he seeks out contact and those kind of guys do tend to get banged up I also do think he can catch the football he gets a lot of Le'Veon Bell comps I think that's just because of his patience and he might be the most patient guy and you know if he gets put behind a good offensive line he can have a lot of success but he's a guy that I think is a good player not a great player and you know if if I have that 107 to 109 I'm probably not looking carry on Johnson at this point any other guys you want to throw out to Elliot before we get to a mock draft, fellas? I guess another one that I think I, I don't know. These two guys, I feel like they've just been paired together. They're they're both pretty big names. Uh, if you're a college football fan or Devi Dynasty player, I guess, and it just seems like they're getting so much hate. Uh, Kalen Balaj, Bo Scarborough, anything to see there? Do you hate those guys as well? Hate's such a strong word, but. I think with Kalen Balaj, I think he's uh, he's a third down back in the NFL. And again, I value that receiving ability. But I think he's a guy that kind of looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane. You know, he never broke more than 17 tackles in a season. He, If you take out that Texas Tech game, he really was never very productive. He doesn't have great balance. He shuffles his feet when he changes direction. And he, he might have the worst vision in the class. I mean, I call it Stevie Wonder vision. I never know where he's going to go. Uh, Bo Scarborough, I think, could be a LeGarrette Blunt in the NFL. He's got a similar issue to carry on Johnson where he runs high and he's constantly banged up. I mean, ACL injuries to both legs, broken leg, uh, injured ankle, older player as is, didn't look like the same guy this year. Now, I wrote some for DLF, DLF last year where I said I thought he could be a third-round pick and be a really good player after that you know, four-game stretch, but he didn't look like that player this year. And you know, He tested off the charts, and a team's going to take a shot on him. You know, he could end up being a really good goal line guy, a, a, a touchdown maker, a guy that probably gets 10 carries a game and is a successful NFL player. But, you know, for him to have a big time fantasy impact consistently, I would say that it's it's going to be incredibly landing spot dependent and it's going to require him staying healthy, which, you know, in high school and college is not something he's proven to be able to do. Elliot, I'm going to throw out a guy we've already talked about on the show a lot, but I just want to hear one more person 
uh, seeing his praises before we get to the NFL draft. Talk to me about John Kelly. He's my fifth running back in this class, just behind those top four. Uh, I just, I love his contact balance. I love his receiving ability. Uh, he's obviously not the best athlete in the world, but his aggression that he plays with that Florida game is maybe the favorite, most favorite running back a game I've ever watched in my life. So tell me about John Kelly here. Man, this podcast is going to go for another four hours if you really want me to talk to you about John Kelly. I mean, the, the, inject the way John Kelly plays football into my veins. You know, if I wish <laughs> – that Florida game, like you mentioned, is just incredible. The The route running is really good. He can break down guys in space. I think Graham Barfield just came out and said he averaged the most yards per uh, target of any running back in this class, the 36, uh, 37 catches on 45 targets. Uh, on top of that, you know, his receiving – uh, market or uh, receiving share of the offensive passing yards or receiving yards was higher than Saquon Barkley. Like they really got him involved. Incredible contact balance. And this is a point I made was people are worried about his combine and I'm not. And it's because when you watch him on tape, he he's not an elite athlete, right? So I'm not going to double count it. He's not a guy with top end speed. So I'm not mad. He runs a four, six. Like that's, that's kind of what I expected. Um, is he elusive? No. What he does is he makes you miss your target point, and then he uses that incredible contact balance to to keep plays alive, kind of like a Kareem Hunt. So I really like John Kelly. I think he's perfect made for today's NFL, maybe a 15-touch-a-game guy. You put him in that Alvin Kamara-like role, and he can, he can just thrive in the NFL. And You know, if you can run routes, you can catch the football, you can make people miss – and you have incredible balance and pretty good vision as well. You're, you're going to do a lot of things. And, you know, the one number that gets thrown out a lot about him is that on 26% of his carries, he uh, had no yards or lost yardage. And if you watch Tennessee the second half of the year, they're lost. They quit on Butch Jones, man. No one on that team wanted to play. No one was blocking. There's nowhere to go. I mean, even the Alabama game, which he has a solid game, he's there's plays where he makes like five guys miss to get four yards. Like, there's just nowhere for him to go. And I, I think that a team's going to get a steal in the fourth round. And, you know, John Kelly might be that guy that if you draft in my dynasty league um, before my pick in the second round, you know, we got to meet up somewhere in the streets and fight because John Kelly is a guy I want on every single one of my teams. Yeah, I've been taking him in the late first pretty much everywhere until Ryan snipes me. So, uh, Ryan, did you have something else before we get to our mock? Uh, yeah, I was just going to agree with you. I thought he uh, – Elliot mentioned the second round. I think he'll end up being a in that late first round range. Yeah. I, I almost want to start telling people he sucks. <laughs> like this is the tough part, man, is that I don't know what anyone else in my dynasty leagues for the most part are thinking, but they can all find all my thoughts. So I almost want to start driving down some of these players. Yeah. Yeah. I've been taking them in the 109, 110 range, and it's starting to feel like that might not even be early enough uh, uh, as we've gone on through the process. Dan, anything else before we start mocking? Can I right, throw let's... a question out there for you guys yeah, with John absolutely. Kelly? Yeah. So I think there's a shot he goes in the fourth round and ends up as like the 10th overall running back or 12th or even 15th in the NFL draft, fourth, fifth round. How much do you think that would make his dynasty stock fall? Or do you think people are just in love with his film and are going to think the talent wins out? I think people like you and me are, aren't going to really care as long as it's, a, as it's a decent spot where he can get on the field. But I, I do think that like the overall draft community will be down on him based on that. You know, Everybody that, that believes, and not necessarily that they're wrong, the draft capital is everything. That would certainly make a hit to their value. But you look at some guys that went in the fourth and fifth round last season in Green Bay You know, with Aaron Jones and, and Jamal Williams. They both were productive. So I think it's just going to be that landing spot like we've been talking about. No Samaj P. Ryan Love on this podcast. We're not going to bring up how great <laughs> – People Ryan loved him last year, I think. Oh, Ryan, my bad. My bad. No, but, uh, I did not love him. Yeah, he was going 108, 109 in some drafts, right? People were all in on P. Ryan right. in the fourth round. And... Yeah, opportunity. <laughs> we we pushed too hard for that. <laughs> all right, Elliot, we're going to make it easy on you today. We'll go ahead and let you have the first pick in this two-round mock. I'll take the second one. Ryan, you're third. And Dan, you got the fourth pick. I'm going to take Saquon Barkley. That's weird. <laughs> I went on a limb there, you know. <laughs> I know the popular thing on Twitter Where? right now is trying to convince people that Saquon Barkley's not very good. I, I know, I know that. Uh... We think he's landing spot independent, but where where would you like realistically? Where would you like to see him go as the best fit in say the top seven eight picks? The Bucks. I mean, the Bucks. Oh, he's going to yeah. compete with Peyton Barber. Yeah. I mean, but then again, throw out the Broncos. Who's he going to compete? Devonte Booker, like. Throw out the Giants. I mean, I like Wayne Gallman, but they're going to give him all the touches. And then six to the Colts. I mean, Marlon Mack, but I, I think he would quickly – They would. 
I would hope they'd put both guys on the field on third down, but he would he would take a lot of that work from Marlon Mack. And the Browns are the one place I don't want to see him go because one, whenever you uh, scout a guy, you assume rational coaching, and we know the Browns don't have that. And two, they signed Carlos Hyde and have Duke Johnson, and you know it would be very Browns like to not use Saquon Barkley in the receiving game. Yeah, that would be a little bit depressing. You would think that he would just take Hyde off the field like once they see him on there, but uh, you never know with the Browns, of course. And then I wonder what that would do to Duke Johnson as well. They should just move him to the slot, but now they've got Jarvis Landry there, so who knows how that's going to work out. Uh, I'm going to go and take the obvious choice here, Darius Geis at two. Uh, I think I would love to see him on the Detroit Lions, for example. Pretty much nothing there for him to to worry about. Uh, that's kind of probably my ideal landing spot for Geis. Is this super flex or not super flex? Not super flex. We could we could mix it up a little. We've let's done, do it. Yeah, let's do super flex. Why not? Yeah, we've done. Want to start over? The super flex. Quarterbacks. Do you guys need to start over? I would start over if I were going to go to super flex. I'm taking Barkley 101 and super flex or any other format or you know right. I don't even care right. if you're not allowed to play running backs in your fantasy football league. I'm still taking Saquon Barkley. All right, then let's do super flex, and I'm going to take Lamar Jackson at number two overall. Ooh. All right. I think I'll stick with Geis at three. I think the the advantage here in a super flex league is, I mean, obviously in this format, just the the four of us, we have multiple first round picks, but I think with five quarterbacks in that top group, you can uh, potentially get back into the first and, and grab a quarterback four or five and then still get guys here at three. So This is the ultimate year if you're in a super flex league without quarterbacks to have rookie picks. Like this is this yep. is the year with all these guys going so early. Yeah, I mean, even you know, with your two four, two five, two six, you're going to get Christian Kirk or St. Brown or somebody like that. It's Carry on Johnson. It's yeah, this is the year because just the volume. Five guys are pushing pushing picks down. There's basically it's going to feel like 17 first rounders. Yep. And the alternative in that case is that the quarterbacks end up slipping and you end up getting a pair of those if you're picking early or, or, or whatever. So uh, with Jackson already gone, I think the, the choice comes down to, to the two Georgia running backs. So uh, at four, I'm going to take Nick Chubb this time. I, I kind of go back and forth on him a little bit, but to get him at four is, is pretty good. So Chubb goes off at four. All right, we queued this up for you, Elliot, at five. Yeah, I'm supposed to take Sonny Michelle here, but if you guys think that Baker Mayfield's on the board, I'm not going to draft. That's him. what I was saying. Yeah, no, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I think I'm actually going to pass on Michelle as well. Uh, I'm going, are you gonna, Josh. Are you, take, are you taking my pick? I'm taking. Well, if your pick was Josh Rosen, then I'm taking your pick. I really wanted you to say <laughs> Josh Allen. No, I'm saying I, it's my it's my selection, Ryan. You're jumping. Oh, right. I put myself ahead of you this time, so you couldn't snipe me like every other I, every other mock we do. I, I was just assuming the natural position of, of taking whoever you wanted. All right, well, don't don't I'll, take Rosen. I, I, that's that is who I was going to take, but I will I'll, I'll go ahead and take Chubb since I already have a quarterback in this exercise. Well, Dan took Chubb, so you I mean Michelle is what I meant. <laughs> what I meant to say. You can have Rosen. All right, I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take Rosen at seven. So I think it's interesting that you go with Rosen over Darnold, uh, Ryan. And since we've had that run, I'm going to take Darnold at eight. Back to you, Elliot. I would like to trade down if this was an actual draft. <laughs> yes. Um, that that's that's the tier, right? Four quarterbacks, yeah. four running backs. Yep. Yep. This is so tough. You know, it's funny because Ryan, I was on your podcast last week, and you put me in this exact same position. I didn't, I wasn't positive what I wanted to do then either. Um, I'm going to take Cortland Sutton. I think DJ Moore is probably the most popular pick here, but I'm higher on Sutton. I think those three receivers you mentioned earlier as, as first rounders, Sutton, uh, Moore, and and Ridley. I just love this this draft. I'm so excited to see it play out because usually at this time we have a pretty good idea of what it's going to look like. Not only the NFL draft as far as the order of these skill position guys that we care about, but we think we know what rookie drafts are going to look like following the NFL draft as well. And, and that's just not the case. I mean, the quarterbacks, the Josh Allen hate is obviously out there, but the other four quarterbacks could pretty much go in any order in rookie drafts. The running backs after Barkley could could be shaken up. And and these three wide receivers are, are you know, just, just toss them in a bag and pick one. It, it, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I think Sun's team that he's most connected with right now is the Dallas Cowboys. And if he goes there, there's just so many targets available that it would be tough for him not to be wide receiver one of the rookies. 
Yeah, you talked about the Saints. You know, Saints tight end is going to be the that's going to be the tight end one in the rookie class. Um, whether uh, assuming it's Goddard, Hurst, Andrews, or or Gasecki, and I think Cowboys wide receiver one is is the same thing. Assuming they take a, a receiver in the first round, if it's one of these one of these three guys we're talking about, then he shoots up the board. I'm going to ignore the wide receiver position and go ahead and take John Kelly as my running back five here at 1.10 for all of the reasons we've already discussed. I like, I like reaches in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're taking, I almost took your guy just to do it. I'm going to go ahead and say 1.11 Rashad Penny and let's move on. Right? No, 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 no. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm I'm taking DJ Moore. Oh, all right. You gave Dan some ideas though. (laughs) So I'm I'm up at twelve, and to get to see two wide receivers go and still get my top guy Ridley uh, feels pretty good. We we weren't doing super flex the last couple of weeks, and I believe I got him at at like six in both of them. So uh, to get him at twelve in a super flex feels pretty good. I'll take Kelvin Ridley. Yeah, and I'll I'll take Penny. You know, if if I'm doing a super flex league and I have quarterbacks and I get to walk away with Barkley and Penny, I'm feeling real good about myself. Yeah, just to recap the first round real quick here, Saquon, Lamar Jackson, Geis, Chubb, Baker Mayfield, Sonny Michelle, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Corlin Sutton, John Kelly, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, and then at 201, Elliott just took Rashad Penny. That puts me on the clock here at 202, and I'll go ahead and take my favorite receiver in the class, James Washington. Um, It's definitely get, getting interesting here, and I know the hate is out there, but I'm taking Josh Allen second round, a super yep. flex league. He's, he's going to be a starter whether we like it or not. So I don't think you can pass that up in the second round. I actually think he should be a first rounder in, in a super flex league. This is where he should go in the actual NFL draft. If it's any condolences, <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't be so mad at him. If he did. <laughs> so Matt, uh, Ryan got me this week because I was just watching him slip. I actually considered him at, at 12. Like Ryan said, I, I kind of feel like he should he should be in those top 12, but we saw Kelly go there. So uh, so Allen didn't have room to go in those top 12 picks. I would have taken him at 12 if Ridley would have gone instead of Kelly. Uh, that leaves me with looking at a different position. I'm going to pivot to Ronald Jones. Uh, feel like a guy that we were talking about in in super flex leagues earlier, maybe even a month or, or two months ago, we were talking about him being potentially a top eight or nine pick in a super flex league. Now to go all the way down to 16, uh, that's pretty good value. I just never saw it with Ronald uh, Jones, man. I just the, the lack of pass catching. I know, I know people think that he can do it, but I don't know. I just I don't think that there's. I mean, there's certainly a price I would pay to get him, but I don't think it's going to be before the middle, maybe late of the second round, um, even in a, in a one-quarterback league for me. He but never was, caught passes in high school either. That's something that was really interesting to me. And, you know, USC does throw passes to guys, and they put yep. the true freshman Stephen Carr on the field over Ronald Jones. So I have a lot of concerns about whether or not he can make that transition. Um, yep. But I'm up, right? Yep, um, you're on at uh, 205. I do. I do think Ronald Jones is a, a good value there at two hundred four. For the record, I, you guys officially have left me in the landing, the incredibly landing spot dependent guys. Um, so without knowing where guys went, I'm going to take Royce Freeman because I I think that um, he's got really good vision, and I think he could end up going the second or third round and have a pretty good role in the NFL. I feel like Christian Kirk is a little, little bit here, so I'm going to take him. He's one of those guys that I think is probably going to be able to find success really wherever he goes. Um, so that seems like a good pick here at the 2.6. You guys let uh, let one of my favorites fall in my lap here in the middle second. This is what we were talking about earlier uh, with, with value falling because of the five quarterbacks. I will take Equinemius St. Brown. Yep. I like that pick a lot. And that one I had written down before you were uh, you were even speaking, Ryan. I knew that was going to be ESPN. It's annoying to draft right after Ryan, isn't it? For sure. Oh, well, a little bit. I'm, I'm going to finally get my favorite tight end out of, out of these three mocks that we've done over the last few weeks. I haven't got gotten Mike Gesicki. And to get him here, uh, I think we're at 20 overall. I feel pretty good about I I, I don't think he's going 20th overall if he ends up in new orleans and i i just feel that as the right fit so um i'll take mike kasicki yeah if he goes to new orleans he's moving up draft boards um last pick here elliot i'll take mason rudolph 
you know, I'm a fan of Rudolph, and I think he ultimately goes in round one. So if he does, his super flex value is tremendous right here. Yep, I like that. That was actually my pick there. But since he's off the board, I'll take my favorite tight end, Dallas Goddard. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of gotten <laughs> it's kind of gotten ugly here. Uh, I'm not really a, a huge fan of this guy, but I do like the value. I'll go with Carrion Johnson. Elliot, I thought long and hard about Rudolph, and I think that if he does go in the first round of the draft, there's, there's no chance that – that he lasts until 21. And I think there's probably at least a decent chance Rudolph goes that high. So uh, that was really good value. I thought the Goddard pick was, was good as well. And, and you can't argue with Kerry Ann Johnson, who typically goes around the turn in a standard league uh, along the one, two turn that leaves me in the same boat that you guys were in and, and staring at this board. There is one name that sticks out to me and that's Dion Kane. So I'll take him with the final pick of our mock. The mock's over, but I'm taking Kiki Cutie. I just, that's, that's <laughs> and my I, guy. I, I and I'm taking Anthony Miller. <laughs> Let's just go three. <laughs> no, but that, that was a great show, you guys. Uh, thank you so much, Elliot, for coming on board here. Oh, I should recap the second round real quick here for you guys. Rashad Penny, James Washington, Josh Allen, Ronald Jones, Royce Freeman, Christian Kirk, ESB, Mike Gusecki, Mason Rudolph, Dallas Goddard, Carrion Johnson, and uh, Deion Kane here at the last pick. Dan, I think, took Deion, Deion Kane in all three of our mock drafts over the last three weeks. So uh, uh, hopefully he lands in a good spot for you there. Uh, but Elliot, man, thank you so much for coming on. You dropped a bunch of knowledge on this today. Tell the people where they can find you and uh, if you got any cool work coming out in the near future. You, know, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Elliot Christ, E-L-I-O-T-C-R-I-S-T, Christ without the H. Um, I'm doing putting workout for four for four. There's going to be a lot of stuff post draft on guys landing spots and how they can kind of have season long impact. And then I, I have a couple of real interesting articles coming out about uh, some redraft stuff and some guys to look for at their current ADP that, that whose values could really shoot up. And, you know, I just appreciate you guys coming on. This is a fun podcast. You, I, I really respect all of your guys, uh, fantasy football minds or football minds in general. I don't want to kind of pigeonhole you guys, but um, you know, the John Kelly takes were great. The mock draft was fun and I really appreciate it guys. Elliot, will there be any uh, post-draft draft daily podcasts? Yeah, I'll do a few. You know, we're at about 80 now. Um, so we'll probably <laughs> do a couple after the draft. And then people ask me if this is going to go 365 days. And I I look at them like they're out of their damn minds. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do – I'll do um, probably one Friday and then one Sunday morning to kind of recap everything, fantasy landing spots, different things I really like. I don't even know if I have a guess. I might just kind of spit out my, my random thoughts. But, yeah, I'll, I'll have a couple recap shows. Nice. That's awesome. Ryan, any final thoughts here heading into the draft? No, just ready for it to get here. Elliot and I were talking before the show. We, we just wish we could fast forward time. I know all our listeners do as well. We're ready for Thursday and Friday and Saturday <laughs> to get here and, and check out all these landing spots. Dan, any any closing thoughts? Nope, same thing. Jacked for the draft and, and jacked to talk about it with you guys next week. Uh, recap the draft and and get initial thoughts of all these landing spots. Yep, we are all so excited. So thank you guys so much for listening again. We will see you after the draft. You can follow again, Elliot Chris at Elliot Christ, 1L, 1I, 101T. <laughs> uh, you can follow me at Impressure, Dan at DMiler22, Ryan at RyanMC23, and the DLF pod at DLF Podcast. Thanks, guys. See you next week. 